Well, guys, have you ever failed to pay attention to something that you should have paid attention to? Just show of hands. Like, we've done that, we've done that. Okay, so I'm going to ask a question. And we're in church, so you must be honest, okay? So the question is this. How many of y'all chose to ignore the speed limit on the way over here this morning, even though you should have paid attention? Show of hands. I have a hard time to believe that's all there is, right? Here's another one. And maybe this applies more to the guys because it can maybe be more of a guy thing. I don't know. But how many of you have ever chosen to ignore directions from Google Maps because you're like, well, I know the shortcuts and I know which way I'm going and I don't actually need a GPS. And so you just kind of ignore it. Who's done that before? See, it's mostly a few ladies, but it's mostly guys, right? We've done that before. Not paid attention to something we should have paid attention to. We'll do one more. Um, And this is maybe another message for another time. But how many of you have ever had the thought you're in a conversation with your spouse or maybe your significant other, and you're like, I feel like they're kind of sort of hinting at something, but no, no, it couldn't be that. It, it couldn't be that. And then you find out it was that, like you should have paid attention to the hint from your spouse. Anybody been there? Again, mostly, mostly guys, right? Mostly guys. We've all had moments in our lives where we ignored something we should have paid attention to. And the things we just mentioned, we can chuckle about that because those are kind of funny. But how about this? Have you ever ignored pain that you should have paid attention to? Anybody ever done that? So here's how this worked out for me. My freshman year of college, I was playing baseball at a small school called Southern Wesleyan. And when you're a freshman athlete, you have one primary goal. You just want to impress the coaches. Because you know you're probably just going to be a little peon for all the whole season, right? And so you're like, well, if I can make a good impression, like I could get playing time. And that can lead to some really positive things. Like you're doing one more rep in the weight room. You show up early. You stay late. You go above and beyond what's asked of you. And those are great things. But it can also lead to some really, really bad habits. Like ignoring something that hurts because you don't want to be thought of as weak, and then you end up hurting it worse. And so here's how that happened for me. We're about four weeks into our fall conditioning strength training period, and we're doing sprint days. So we're running 60-yard dashes. And here's just my opinion on 60-yard dashes. I'm convinced they were invented by Satan. Like any time where you've got to just run in a sprint in a row over any more than about 90 feet, like that's just evil. It's a horrible experience. And the big problem for me that day was I felt something in my upper leg and it just didn't feel quite right. Like I couldn't stretch it out. It felt a little tight, but I made it through the 60 minute uh, practice time and, and it seemed fine. But then because I'm a freshman and I've got a great work ethic, I just had to do one more rep. And there was a guy lining up to run his 60-yard dash, and he was a guy that was new on campus. And so I was like, I think I'm going to be in competition with him for some playing time. And so I was like, I want to run alongside of him. And so we line up, and the coach drops his hand, and we take off, and I get about five or six really good strides into it. And I hear my leg go, pop. And so the technical name for this is I acutely strained erectus muscle. It's not your butt. It's a quadriceps muscle. (laughs) But the result was I was like, hampered the entire fall. And so I lost a lot of time to make any really good impressions because there was something that was not quite right 
there was something that was hurting, there was something that was off, and I just kind of ignored it. I'm like, I can push through this. It's not going to be an issue until it was an issue. Now, that's my sprint story. But I wonder here in the room or watching online if that's perhaps your spiritual story. I wonder if perhaps you come into the room today or are watching online today and you're experiencing not physical pain, but spiritual pain. You might say, what do you mean by spiritual pain? See if any of this rings a bell or resonates with you. Maybe you have a constant sense of, man, something just isn't quite right in your soul. Maybe you feel weary and burdened by religious activity and you try to do better and you try harder and you try to do all the right things, but man, it just never feels like it's enough. Maybe it's a deep sense of brokenness in your soul. Maybe you feel like you've hit rock bottom. Maybe it's a complete lack of peace or lack of joy or lack of hope. Maybe it expresses itself as just a deep uncertainty about what you believe. You're not really quite sure what you believe or why you believe. You're just kind of uncertain. Or maybe it even expresses itself like you're not actually sure that if you died now, you would spend eternity with God in his presence. Do you come in here today with spiritual pain, with a nagging sense that something is not quite right? Because if you do, here's what I want to let you know this morning. God has the answer to spiritual pain. God has the answer to spiritual pain, and the entire scope of Scripture is the account of God's answer. God promises the answer in Genesis chapter 3 in the wake of Adam and Eve's sin when they plunge the world into brokenness. God promises to send somebody to fix everything. That promise is repeated over and over throughout what we call the Old Testament or what the Hebrew people, the Jewish people would know as their Bible, where God over and over and over promises to send an answer to fix everything that had been broken, primarily to restore people distant from him to him. And then that answer shows up 2,000 years ago, not as a what, but as a who, as God sends his one and only son, Jesus Christ, the eternally pre-existent Son of God, to earth as a baby, not to come and judge everybody, but to live a perfect, sinless life and then give his life as a sacrifice on the cross to pay the penalty for sin that we owed God. And with one hand, he grasps the Father. With the other hand, he grasps humanity. And he makes a way for people to be reconciled to God. And then three days later, the reason we celebrate Easter, the reason we have today, the reason we follow Jesus, he got up out of the grave and proved that what he did on the cross was sufficient, what he did on the cross was enough, and that through him, People can be reconciled to God. Spiritual pain is healed. Our brokenness is restored. And he leaves us into a life that is so much more than a ticket out of hell. It is a life that is full of peace, 
of hope, of joy, of purpose, of deep, deep satisfaction. That is the answer that God has provided for spiritual pain. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I'm not sure you're paying attention enough because that is some freaking good news, folks. Amen? Amen. And so if you're here today and you're experiencing spiritual pain, there's discontentment in your soul, a lack of fulfillment, brokenness, hopelessness, here's what you need to know today. Jesus is the answer to spiritual pain. And here's how God describes it. Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. These are the words of Jesus. He says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, to the thirstier, those who feel broken, those who feel hopeless, those who are in spiritual pain. I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. What he's talking about is himself. What he's talking about is a relationship with him that moves us from spiritual death, from spiritual pain, to being fully alive in him. Not just eternal fire insurance, but a life that is full and abundant and too good to miss. And we can start that now in a relationship with Christ and we'll experience it in its fullness when he returns. But watch what he says in Revelation twenty-two seventeen. He says, let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. See, guys, the truth is this. Jesus is the answer to spiritual pain, but the invitation has to be accepted. Jesus himself is the answer, not our effort, not our ability to live a moral life, not our church attendance, not our Bible reading, not our giving, not our politics. Jesus himself is the answer to spiritual pain. A relationship with him is the exact thing every single one of us needs, guys. And he offers that to us, but it has to be accepted. Notice, not achieved, not accomplished, accepted. Why does it have to be accepted? Because we're not born into it. We're actually born into spiritual pain. That's the legacy of Adam and Eve. That's the legacy of sin. We're born into spiritual pain, separated from God and in need of the wholeness that only a relationship with Christ can be. But guys, he's already done everything necessary for that to happen in your life. And he accomplished it all on the cross. When he died on the cross, one of the last words he said was, it is finished. And so he offers a gift, but it has to be accepted. And so if you're here today and you're experiencing spiritual pain, what I want you to leave here knowing is how to accept the invitation that Jesus offers. And so there's three ideas I want us to talk about. The first is this, I need to be honest about my pain. I need to be honest about my pain. The truth is we will not find healing unless we admit we're hurting. And we can't get help unless we admit we need help. So I want to do is take us to the beginning of the book of Revelation. And let me just give you like a brief overview of Revelation real quick. And some of y'all are about to get really disappointed, and I'm sorry, it just is what it is. 
Revelation is a vision that is recorded by one of Jesus' disciples, a guy named John, and he receives this vision on a place called the island of Patmos where he's exiled because of his faith in Christ. And here's the thing about Revelation. There's a lot of different stuff. Revelation is unique in its genre in terms of the literary style. And there's a lot of confusing stuff in there. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there. And here's what I can confidently tell you as a pastor with a seminary degree. As I've studied Revelation and looked through the book of Revelation, by the way, it's singular, it's not plural. It drives me nuts when people say, the book of Revelation, it's singular, it's singular. I'm not usually the grammar police because I'm from the South, but dang it, it's Revelation. Here's what I can confidently tell you. I have no idea who the Antichrist is. It's probably not a U.S. presidential candidate, okay? So next time the next election rolls around, like it feels like there's always an election, like, like just, just chill with that kind of talk, okay? I have no idea what the mark of the beast is. I have no idea when the rapture is going to happen. No idea. But see, guys, the reason Jesus gave John Revelation is not to give us a treasure map to try to figure out the details. The reason Jesus gave us Revelation was to point to just a few primary truths. One, he wins. Two, he's coming back. Three, the life we live now should be lived in light of his return. And four, when he returns, every single person will spend eternity in one of two places based on how they responded to Jesus Christ. And so at the very beginning of the book of Revelation, Jesus has some words to the churches, to people that deal with spiritual pain, that point to this idea of here's how you should live and deal with your spiritual pain in light of the end that's coming. And where he starts in so many ways is just simply this idea, you've got to be honest about your spiritual pain. In fact, watch this, Revelation chapter 3 Starting in verse 1, this is to the church in Sardis. Jesus says this, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. In other words, everybody thinks you're okay, and on the outside, things look fine. And chances are, if you're here and you're in spiritual pain, Chances are on the outside, people would probably say, well, they're fine. They're okay. There's no problems. But Jesus says, hey, hey, on the inside, you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Your story's not over, but you need to strengthen what remains and is about to die because, man, it's, it's, something's unfinished. You're in spiritual pain, and you need to wake up. You need to wake up and be honest about it. And that can sometimes be the most difficult thing to do. Is just coming to grips with the fact of, man, I'm hurting. There's something inside of me that's off. That doesn't feel quite right. In fact, I would even say this. One of the best gifts that Jesus Christ can ever give you is an awareness of your spiritual pain. Because you can't heal until you admit that you're hurt and you can't find help until you admit that you need it. 
We have to be honest about that, guys. And honesty begins to lead to, a, to an understanding of, okay, I recognize that I'm hurting. I admit that I'm hurting. Honesty leads us into also asking, okay, why? So if you're here today and you would admit, I mean, spiritually I'm in pain. I want to help you understand why this morning. I believe there's three possibilities. The first possibility is this. You've just drifted. You've drifted away from Jesus. Like you're genuinely a follower of Christ. You've had a moment in your life where you repented of your sin and trusted Christ for salvation. But man, then life happened. Maybe you had an unexpected loss, an unexpected series of events, or maybe you just got busy and slowly but surely you just kind of drifted from Jesus. This is what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 2. He says this, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And then he says this, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Does that resonate with anybody this morning? Do you feel like that maybe you're watching online and that just kind of hits you right here that, man, there was a time in my life where I was running hard after Jesus. But I've just kind of drifted. Because here's what I can tell you guys. If you're a follower of Christ and you've drifted, it will always result in spiritual pain. There will always be this nagging sense of something isn't quite right. It could be you've drifted, and that's why you're experiencing spiritual pain. The second possible reason for your spiritual pain is this. You believe about Jesus, but you've never believed into a relationship with Jesus. You know the answers. You know the theology. You might even be like me. You grew up in a Christian home. I even went to a Christian school. You know the answers. You believe all the right things about Jesus, but you've never actually believed into a relationship with Jesus. Guys, there is literally an eternity of difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. I want to take you back again to Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And we just read this. But he says, I know your deeds, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. In other words, man, on the outside, based on your knowledge, man, people would say you're okay. Maybe they would even say, based on the fact that, man, you go to church, you read the Bible, you show up, you do all the right things. You seem to, like, play the religious game perfectly. But, guys, that is not the same as having a relationship with Jesus. And one of the things that is so true in Southern Bible Belt Christianity is we tend to know a lot about Jesus. We tend to believe all the right things about Jesus. We might even get dogmatic about certain things about Jesus. But have you ever actually stepped into a relationship with Jesus? Guys, it's my story. I knew a lot about Jesus, guys. Grew up knowing about him. 
But it wasn't until I was over 21 years old that I actually stepped into a relationship with him. If you know about Jesus, but you don't actually know Jesus, you'll experience spiritual pain. Maybe it'll express itself like this. Every time we give an invitation, you kind of say that prayer because you're not really sure. You're not really certain. Or maybe it expresses itself as you just try really, really hard to do all the right Christian things. Guys, Jesus doesn't lead us into a life of religion. He leads us into a relationship with himself. Maybe you believe about Jesus, but you don't actually know Jesus. Maybe that's the reason you're in spiritual pain. The third reason is this, and you would probably never actually verbalize it like this, but you would say, but the actually answer goes something like this. I don't actually need Jesus. Now, you'd probably never say that, but, but if you look at your life, maybe it's pursuing a career, maybe it's pursuing relationships, maybe it's pursuing pleasure, maybe it's pursuing fun, Maybe it's just trying to live a good moral life. Don't lie. Be good to your spouse. Pay your taxes on time. And you're like, I don't actually need Jesus because I'm a pretty good person. Or you'd say, I don't actually need Jesus because I have all this other stuff and it makes me happy. And you probably aren't hostile to Jesus. But when Jesus specifically comes up, when the idea of you need to be saved through a relationship with Christ comes up, you're like, eh. This is how Jesus describes that to the church in Laodicea. Revelation 3.15, he says, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, you're apathetic, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Can I say this, guys? So often the reason we're running to those different things, whether it's money or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or our kids' activities or a career or to church every weekend, because you can use church as a salve for your soul that doesn't actually answer your question, or the reason we try hard and try hard and try hard to live a moral life, so often it's because there's something inside of us that says, man, I feel wretched inside. I feel pitiful inside. I feel broken and blind inside. But if I just get one more paycheck raise, if I can just finally find the right person to date, if I can just maybe pray a little more in the morning, then, man, that'll be enough. And that'll cover up the pain inside. Guys, the only thing that can cover up the pain is Jesus. Not what we do and not what we do for him, but Jesus himself. Can you be honest today about your spiritual pain and why it's there? The second thing that has to happen is this. I have to accept Jesus' prescription for my pain. Very specifically, Jesus' prescription. Because here's what can so often happen. We can think, well, man, as long as I'm really sincere, then I'm good. Well, guys, you do know you can sincerely do the wrong thing, and that sincerity doesn't make it the right thing, right? For example, once upon a time, I was preparing some refried beans for dinner 
to have as a side dish. And by prepare, I mean I opened up the can and threw it in a pot to heat it up. And I always like to add a little chili powder to it to give it a little something else. And so I, I grabbed a thing of chili powder out of the cabinet, and I opened up the lid, and I turned it upside down, and I said, pop, 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 pop. And it took about two seconds to realize that what was coming out was not the color of chili powder. It was cayenne pepper. And then I was like, well, I'm cheap, and so maybe if I put some sour cream in there, it will cool it off and it can be edible. Can I just tell you, it didn't work. It was completely inedible. Now, I sincerely believed I was putting chili powder in there. But my sincerity of belief didn't change the fact that I was doing the wrong thing. Guys, sincerity of motivation is not enough. You've got to follow Jesus' prescription for your pain if you're going to find healing. And he gives us a very clear prescription. So if you've drifted, Revelation 2.5 This is what he says. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. In other words, just think back to where you were when you gave your life to Christ, when you were running hard after Jesus. Think about where you were. And man, just return and do those things. Just focus on being with Jesus be with him through his word and hear his voice. Be in his presence with the local church. That's why we gather as a church, guys. Because Jesus promised where two or three are gathered in my name, he's here with us. If there was a next step that you needed to take, maybe, maybe baptism was your next step and you just kind of drifted away at that point. Man, take your next step. Go back to where you were. Do the things you did at first. And let Jesus just kind of hit a reset button in your life. If you're here and you believe about Jesus, but actually you have yet to believe Jesus and step into a relationship with him, Jesus' prescription is this, Revelation 3.3. He says, remember therefore what you have received and heard. In other words, remember the truth of the gospel, that intellectually you believe, intellectually you know it. Remember that, but then he goes on to say this, Hold it fast and repent. In other words, don't just know it up here, guys. Grab onto it with your heart. Don't just know it. Don't just understand the answers. Step into a relationship with Christ. Let the gospel move from theory, you know, to reality, you actually live it. And if you're here and you're like, "Eh, I'm not really sure I need the whole Jesus thing. This is what Jesus says, Revelation 3.18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. What Jesus is saying, guys, there is this. If you're here and you're like, I'm not really sure I need the Jesus thing. I like my career is my kind of my thing or my relationships are my thing or my money is my thing or, or my religion is my thing. And I just try to be a good person. Guys, what Jesus would say is this. Every single thing we try to latch on from this world to try to cover up our spiritual pain, guys, it's a cheap imitation of what Jesus offers. Jesus says you need the real thing and the real thing is me. 
And I remember going after an invitation one time. Uh, me and my brother and a friend were probably eight or ten years old. Our church had a camp out, which I've only done one one other ever since. I don't believe in camping out. I believe in hotels. Um, it's just my opinion. If you're a camp out person, amen. God be with you. But a couple of the teenage boys in the church thought it would be awesome to spray paint little rocks and then hide them in a ditch. And because eight-year-olds are gullible, they're like, we found gold. And we're like, oh, my gosh. And so we're digging out. And we're getting all these rocks. And, and, and my best friend, he, he's smart. And so he's like, I'm not really sure this is authentic. And so he takes one of the rocks, and he takes it inside the church building and knocks it on the floor, and it chips off that gold paint. And he comes out, and he's like, nice trick. Like, like I'll, I'll be honest, I was very disappointed. I thought I was set for life at eight years old. But guys, you want to know something? That same fervor that me and my brother and our friend went through that ditch, finding these rocks, thinking we were finding gold, as just a cheap imitation. Man, for some of you, that describes your life right now. You are spending your energy. You are spending your effort. But Jesus would say, man, you're going after something that's a cheap imitation. Get the real thing from me and find the rest for your soul that only comes from being made right with God. We have to be honest about our spiritual pain. We have to accept Jesus' prescription for our spiritual pain. And third, I have to repent and I need to do it now. I have to repent, and I need to do it now. My wife and I just recently took a trip out west, and it involved us getting on airplanes and that sort of thing, and several really, really long layovers. And every now and then, we'd see this quite funny sight at an airport. We would see people sprinting with their bags, and some of them, they'd even be like talking to themselves. They're, they're like, needs the chest, needs the chest, needs the chest. Like they are on a sprint, guys. Does anybody have any wonder what they were running for? Their flight. Because they're like, I'm about to miss my flight that I pay hundreds of dollars for. And I have to run. There is urgency. This cannot wait. I cannot stop to get a coffee. Especially because airport lines are like 30 minutes long. I cannot stop to relieve my bladder. I can do that on the plane, in the lavatory, specifically. <laughs> I have to deal with this now. There's a sense of urgency, and my wife and I could relate because we almost missed our flight out of RDU. Because everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, and we're stressed. As we're about 100 feet from our gate, we hear our names over the intercom. Guys, that is not where you want to be. We were literally the last ones to board. We had a sense of urgency because something had to happen right then. Guys, we need a sense of urgency that when you have spiritual pain, you need to deal with it, and you need to deal with it now. You need to deal with it now. If you've drifted, guys, man, don't wait for eternity to experience the life Jesus wants you to live now. And if you're here and, man, you've believed about Jesus, but you don't actually know Jesus, or maybe you're like, I'm not really sure I need Jesus. Guys, here's what, here's what often happens in a message like this. We hear it. It stirs something in us. It bothers something in us. And then we're like, let me think about it. But can I just tell you guys, you're not guaranteed another opportunity to think about it. 
In fact, here's what I can tell you will probably happen. If you're experiencing spiritual pain right now and you think about it, you'll probably think about it till you get to Easter lunch and then you'll never consider it again. And the stakes are too high for you to do that. And Jesus doesn't even give us this option. In fact, Revelation 2.5, to the people that have drifted, watch what Jesus says. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent. And then Revelation 3.3, to those who you believe about Jesus, but you don't actually know Jesus, he says this. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. And then Revelation 3.19, to those who would say, man, I'm not really sure I need Jesus. Watch what he says. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Guys, Jesus isn't putting his finger on your spiritual pain because he wants you to feel bad about yourself. He's putting his finger on your pain so you'll take the healing that he offers. But then he says this, so be earnest and what's the next word? Somebody help me out. Repent. What does repent mean? It literally has this sense of urgency that, hey, you're going one direction, you're sprinting this way, stop, turn around and go the other direction. Don't keep going the way you're going. Stop right now, turn around, and take the step that Jesus calls you to. Do it right now. Don't think about it, don't consider it, don't debate it. You need to do it right now. Some of you know exactly what that is like right now. Because there's a feeling in your gut or a feeling in your chest that, man, I think he's talking to me, but guys, it ain't me talking. It's Jesus knocking. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said this, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Anyone, guys. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what your brokenness is. It doesn't matter what your story is, who you are, or where you've been. If anyone will open the door, Jesus says, I'll give you the healing you're looking for. I'll give you myself. I'll give you eternal life. I'll give you forgiveness of sin. I'll give you hope and peace and joy like the world cannot offer. That's the invitation, guys. It's got to be accepted, though.